Bam. Um, me and um, me and Arian were just talking about like our we're podcasting like crazy, and uh, we I, our last podcast. Well, we had one interim. I haven't dropped it yet with Jasmine Penn, but with Russell. I was just, we were talking about how like that one clip is blowing up with um did you see with uh Russ is talking about with Johnny Candido's picture um his profile or whatever and, yeah uh, I saw that and he was he was well Russ was saying the, it's interesting so he was saying essentially um leading into the meet he had said like I'm fatigued I'm tired I feel very irritable uh Taylor actually said it in a comments. Russ commented in to his caption saying, man, I feel the same way. And then, and then uh, Jonathan also said that he goes, dog, I'm, I'm, I'm like snapping like crazy, whatever. Then I was like, holy shit, that's three national champions all saying like, man, this is the toughest time. So I snapshotted that through in the King of Lift stories. And then several other high profile lifters are like same going through it. You know, it's tough, right? Like the leap, the last little bit is very difficult. And then um, I think, when Russ seen that, uh, the, the, uh, Johnny Candido's profile, he's in the middle of the shit. He's in the middle of the irritable, you know? So when he said, like, I was filled with rage and everyone's reacting to dog, why are you raging out on that? But it's not like he's said, I'm walking around punching holes in walls. He's saying when I was irritable and I was testy, I saw something. I had an emotional reaction. I called my friend, who's Joey, vented, and then used it positively for my training. And now he's laughing about it. He might still have been as it was offside, but people are like, I don't know. I'm surprised. What was your take on that? Yeah, I think people, I think people failed to recognize the context that that whole situation occurred in. It's kind of like how you, you know, just like eloquently laid out, you know, all the context beforehand. And when you take into consideration all the factors leading up to that event, you know, from Russell's perspective, like, yeah, I could see how that could be, you know, in the moment, very frustrating. And I would probably to some extent relate to that. Um, but yeah, likewise, like with Russell, I wouldn't, you know, go around, of course, and start, you know, nonsense or trouble. I would just, uh, well, focus on winning. <laughs> That's it. Um, just proving everyone else wrong. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and I see like, um, in Johnny Candido, like I, you, you, you did videos with him. He's a social media yeah. guy. He's a social media guy. This is kind of what you do is somewhat provocative things. Um, you know, it wasn't like a personal attack on Russell's character or, or anything like that. So like no. it, yeah. my threshold for that is like, I didn't think he crossed the line with it, but I, I'm not like, Oh my God, if, if Russ is like, I think that was crossing the line. Um, I, he's also not pushing back to the extent of i think johnny's an ass he's not saying anything like that either he's just no. these are isolated incidents that if we go too deep and read too deep into it like these guys are fine they can see each other in six months down the road and it's fine it's not you know it was just on the right. podcast he's like he said exactly let me be honest man i'm an individual and this happened but um i don't know would you be, have been insulted do you think or have you been probably the same as as uh as Russ and then afterwards how do you think you'd feel about it afterwards yeah I mean um you know I would have uh I <laughs> I would have done things just slightly differently I mean for the most part it would have been pretty similar you know would have said okay that's how they feel well this will be an interesting show um <laughs> and then you know if I uh if, I, if it turns out that I win and the cards land where they fall 
I wouldn't even ask him to change. You know, I I don't think Russell asked him. I don't know what happened there, but I wouldn't have even been like, no, don't change the profile picture. Just leave it up for a while. <laughs> as a matter of fact, it would have been like, you have to leave it now. That's what the deal <laughs> yeah. is. We're good as long as you wear that for like, you have to wear that hat for, for a little while. For a little bit, yeah. Yeah, no, that's bit. fair. And, I, and I'd feel better, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Johnny, honestly, probably, he, he'll roll with it. He'd be like, all right, fuck it. Fair enough. Like he's a social media yeah. guy. He's he's a social media dude. He gets it. I don't think he takes offense to much himself. Um, but yeah. But even though, so Russ had his situation. It was a, it was a. Yeah, I mean, the battle didn't unfold the way people thought it was going to be with Sean. But he had a rival. But you had a much bigger in terms of um certainly like with Bryce, not in terms of like. You know, Bryce isn't as vocal in social media as like a Sean who's going to, you know, and he didn't have uh, the guys like a Johnny Candido who's helping hype it and whatnot. Um, so it, it didn't have quite the same that, but on the flip side, Bryce is a former world champion and you guys have faced off at a Nats, Bryce, one last time. So there's actually mm-hmm. like a, no, this is a battle. Like this, in terms of sports rivalry, much closer. Um, you know, you were the favorite. I picked you to win. I think everyone on our podcast picked you to win, but we all were saying like, make no mistakes. No one's looking past Bryce. This was going to be, this was going to be tense. Um, so how did you feel going into this? What were your thoughts in terms of given, all right, last time I showed up, I think we picked you to win last time as well. And you're like, I got, I got to mind my P's and Q's against this guy. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, the last meet, when we, when we did, you know, compete in 2019, I think that day, I, I think I had an eight for nine day and I missed my last deadlift that I hit in the meet before. So needless to say, I felt uh, pretty, it left a sour taste in my mouth, mouth and I felt a little uh, personally embarrassed. So I was like, you know, um, I mean, one, I, I don't know, like I see how like other weight classes, they kind of pipe things up and they do all this rivalry stuff. And I get it. Like, you know, it's good for, you know, whatever. But I mean, for me personally, I, you know, I don't really care too much about all that. At the end of the day, I just want to show up and I just want to be, you know, um, I just want to be the strongest, you know, <laughs> I always, it's like I said, you know, on this podcast years ago, I, I just want to be, you know, the best. Um, and I mean, that's really all there is to it. So I just do everything I can to align myself with that goal. And it doesn't always mean, you know, um, going out on social media and saying whatever or doing whatever. And that's not to knock, you know, other people, if that is their style, but it's just never really been mine. And, you know, I see, I saw what people were saying too, you know, before the meet, you know, like, oh, you know, why are you guys picking Ashton as the favorite, you know, Bryce is this and that and the other thing, you know, and I just, you know, I saw a lot of people say a lot of stuff and I just, you know, just like the comment and nod my head and just take note. (laughs) And then, you know, a few weeks later, um, you know, the result came out and the cards landed where they fell and, you know, a lot of them just seemed really quiet afterwards. So (laughs) I didn't have to say anything. Uh, I was going to say it's a, a bit of a difference with like, you know, the 74s and 83s, unless they go back and forth online or thing. But for you, when you were in the 93s with LS and Dave Ricks and now in the 105s with Mikey Davis and Bryce and all that, it seems like, yeah, completely different style. You're like, you're all like cheering each other on and whoever's the best for that day, that's who the champion is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel, man. I mean, I, you know, would much rather, I mean, that's why I moved up to 105s, right? At the end of the day, you know, um, I just want the best competition possible for myself. And, um, and no offense, like to the 93s, they had an amazing showing, like an amazing battle. But I know that I wouldn't have gotten the same fight there that I did at 105. So I moved up, you know, and, um, and yeah, I mean, I do encourage, you know, like my competitors, I want them to be at their best. I want them to be healthy. I want them to show up and put up, you know, 
what they're capable of. And I really want to stack myself against that and not, you know, um, anything else really. It's, it's um, kind of like Arian saying, when you hear the people that he rattled off that, that you face at nationals, um, like LS, David Ricks, you're not going to engage really with LS and David Ricks on social media. They're not going to do it. They, they just won't. You're the, you're the same. <laughs> you, you guys are all cut from the same cloth. And, ter- and then Bryce Lewis, Bryce isn't going to either. He's like, you guys are all on the same page where you're like, Hey man, I, you know, this isn't really my thing. I mean, I, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to do that. But on the flip side, those three names that he just rattled off the top of his head, LS multiple time IPF world champion, David Ricks, like Hall of Famer, multiple-time world champion, um, Bryce Lewis, world champion. And it's like you're going against the best of the best of the best. So if you want to do, like you said, prove yourself, you people will be like, well, who have you ever faced and beat? You're like, well, <laughs> you're the best in the world, my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it kind of is what it is. The proof is in the pudding. Um, did you feel like – was it a bit of a, a redemption story on the way to this Nationals knowing – a, it's the U.S. Raw Nationals again, and you felt last okay. time like you had that sour taste in your mouth. B, it's the same. At least Bryce came back as well, and Bryce a gamer, and you're and he doesn't fumble the ball. Where I mean, how often does Bryce ever fumble the ball? That man's always he's Mr. Consistency. He's showing up, and he rarely has a bad day on the on the big platform. Um, so did you tell yourself like you know this one could right or wrong, and it'll put to bed any demons that were from 2019? Absolutely. Um... Like I said, yeah, I mean, after that meat left such a sour taste in my mouth, I really wanted to, you know, just show myself in the world in 2020 that, you know, I was better than what I put up that day. But, you know, COVID happens, you know, and uh, circumstances just didn't allow for it. So I was patient and waited another year. (laughs) Um, We all we all we all had to. Um, And, you know, I just I also felt like, you know, in line with that. It was almost like when we talked about this too, like Bryce and I and, and others, like the stakes just felt higher, like because you know it was two years instead of one year in between. And it's like the world is just a less predictable place now. And something could happen, something catastrophic could happen, and there could be no nationals next year. Mm-hmm. You know, knock on wood. I don't think that'll happen. But I'm just saying the world is less less predictable. But no one would have predicted that COVID would have just shut everything down, you know, um, when it was like in its beginning stages, but it did, like around the world. And you know, it really affected the climate of you know competition um so yeah this one like kind of meant a lot i think for all of us in the interim you had hit an absolutely monstrous 950.5 kilo total and um during 2020 we we didn't have like you had already said we didn't have nationals we obviously didn't have worlds we didn't have in europe they didn't have the europeans so um, the 950.5 King of lifts dubs you lifter of the year. I mean, that's insane. It was like, I don't think anybody could have argued against it. Um, but having said that in your mind's eye, cause you said, well, we missed that big show. Could you compare the 950.5 in winning the U S raw Nats in head to head competition low, even if it's a lower total to you, in terms of achievements, like once the biggest total we had ever seen in a 105, and it's, uh, I believe, right? Am I incorrect on that? No, that, that's the, that's the biggest one. Right. The, so what, what do you think comparing those? No, I think there was definitely, there was definitely something special about that. We really, I mean, you know, we dialed things in, conditions were, you know, fair, and uh, we were able to really put up, we were able to like kind of like make history, you know, with that meet and do something really big. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I for me, it's like it's on par. I mean, um, now obviously competing on a national environment and at a national meet with you know more direct competition is much different than just putting up a huge total at a local meet. Um, I'm kind of starting to you know um, take up the strategy to where we save the mega totals for like like those kinds of meets or even like big money meets and then like you know national meets. It's really just dialing everything in and focusing on winning um because you know sometimes at nationals there may be like i mean one you know judging may or may not be more strict you know um and then there's like the whole equipment thing that a bunch of people were kind of there was like mixed reviews all over there in, in that department as well and you know just a lot of factors and variables that you can't control you know um but you and your, you know, direct competition have to sort of go through it together. So for me, you know, nationals is not necessarily about putting up a major PR total. It's about just like winning the meet. Um, now I will say though, that last deadlift that got two reds, um, I think that would have tied actually by, I think that would have tied the 950.5 if I'm not mistaken. Um, because I did 365.5 for that squat and then uh, missed the third bench, uh, which isn't too surprising considering things that came up before the meet. Um, but I mean, the strength was like, even there at the national platform, I would say. So for me, it was, it's like, it's more comparable, I would say, um, than, than maybe some others. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Do, do you think, um, achievement based, not necessarily like, uh, cause you're right. Like it, like having to travel, et cetera, and you know, possible time zones, time zone changes, et cetera, can affect you. But do you think achievement based when you look back? Let's say it's uh, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and you're looking back and someone's going to be like, which one were you prouder? Would you tell the person 950.5 or would you tell the person U.S. Ron that's when I went, you know, head to head with so-and-so because so-and-so was there? I would say, um, I would say those two are on par with each other, but the one I would put above both of those is the first time I squatted 800, which was oh, in February. Wow. Yeah. I would really? say that was probably one of the biggest, like for me, one of the biggest like things I've done in any. It's, 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 I get it because it's cool to be the first. Like, like, like when you were the first ever, like if it was, you know, if it wasn't, uh, if it was just a little over 800, someone else had already done 800, then it, it would have been like slightly heavier. But when you're the first across that, it's massive. You know, that, that one threshold. Barrier. Right. Yeah, that 800-pound squat. Like, I mean, you know, I was always a decent deadlifter. And I, I'll admit for the last, like, few months or so, I would say my deadlift has been a bit more on the back burner. But, I mean, like, that 800-pound squat and, you know, at 220, sub-220 body weight and, you know, being the first person, like, at least that I know, tested to do it at 220 or, like, below. Like, I mean, for me, that was really big. Yeah. No, I, I uh, when we shared that, I'm sure your page blew up when you put it up, but our page blew up as well. When we put yeah. It <laughs> yeah, it is. It's mind boggling. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, it's a tough one for me because like as a fan, seeing someone do something like that makes you wonder, makes you guess like what else is possible, right? Like if he's doing 800 and you start, you stop putting limitations on yourself, not even like, not like you're shooting for an 800 squat, but you start being like, man, this, this is a man who breathes air, eats food, walks around. He's got 800 pounds. This is what he's doing. You start, you stop making certain excuses on the flip side. You also appreciate a head to head matchup and you're like, Oh my God, I don't know who's going to. Oh win. yeah. So uh, it was a close second. Yeah. yeah it's it is tough, a close second man. for me. Like in terms of inspiration one in terms of, yeah. And then the squat when it's over, it's over. But then um, because there's three lifts to go there's, and there's like, 
you know, there's also game day coaching and whatnot. And you're, there's like, Oh man, there's a chip in play there. Um, like for instance, in your nationals this time around, um, cause last time, last time around, Matt Gary was on the podcast and he was, and he's got nothing but good things. Did you hear that podcast by the way? I did not hear that one recently. Okay. Yeah. He has nothing but good things to say. I, I saw it. I, I saw, I saw that it, little man. clip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, yeah. But he had a, before that little clip, cause I sized it down to be under a minute to be able to be, uh, not an IG story, but, uh, but, yeah, um, he went on about like, he has a lot of good things to say about you. Uh, like your military service the whole nine. My man said, he literally said he loves you, but. <laughs> oh no, but, he's uh, a great guy. It was good seeing him again this year too. I, I love seeing him every time I see him. It's always a yeah, good conversation. He's, he is that OG. He's the same. He's cut from the same cloth as you guys. He can't talk shit. He's not cut that way. So he's yeah. not going to, um, he's going to big up his opposition, but uh um, it, he was, he was saying how, like last time, if you're, if you have like lot number advantage and you know, you get to go second and if, um, if depending on body weight and then if there's chips in play and he's explaining. So last time due to lot number advantage and, and whatnot, they could make you load up the bar for more than you would have needed to, to win. So you'd actually have to, instead of like you were saying earlier, dead exactly what you need to, to match the other person, no more than you need to, you win on body weight. Cause you're usually smaller than Bryce. Okay, cool. Because a lot number advantage and there's chips in play. He's like, okay, now we can make Ashton actually dead more than he needs to. And um, Hill guy will take like that's in head to head competition. That's the difference where you're like, oh, you're making me pick numbers. I don't want to have to pick, but here we go. Right. Where it's kind of like that, yep. where um, that's the head to head that as a fan watching, you know, it makes it a slightly more, I mean, you still have to be super strong, but there's just some extra little variables on the flip side. You guys got lock number advantage this time. And um, I believe if I pull this up, I'm going to pull up the. Uh... the. The difference was that last time in 2019, Bryce had the lead after second attempt deadlifts. And then they both missed their third attempts. And so Bryce won this time. Ashton had the lead after second attempt deadlifts. And so then they both had Bryce had to pull for the win. And they both missed and Ashton won this time. And the lot numbers changed in terms of advantage. Ashton had it. It was, I was just about to say, so um, thank you, my man. Yeah, my man's got it pulled up already. Uh, it was almost a role reversal where it's like, do you notice what's unfolding right now? It's yeah. about to happen it's, again, but different. It's almost like the same plan, except just revert. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that after the too. Because, um, I mean, I wasn't actually following the, um, during the meet, I wasn't actually yeah. following the totals or anything. And I knew that because I always open light and I take big jumps, um, on deadlift and squat, especially that, you know, after the opening, you know, deadlift, I was not going to be in the lead. So I wasn't worried, you know, I was like, Oh, well, we'll jump to the second and that's going to do something. Cause it's yeah. always a big jump. Um, and, um, and then, you know, the third is whatever, like we needed, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very similar strategy that they used, except we just kind of used it. Um, not maybe, not maybe intentionally, but it's just kind of how the cards like, you know, landed. Um, but I mean, we did have a plan going into nationals regardless. We had, we planned to squat 800 plus 805 to 811. So I hit 821 in training. Um, and because I like to have a little bit of wiggle room uh, to account for things like bar whip or whatever else. And there happened to be a lot of bar whip. So it was a really good thing that we did that. Um, and then of course bench, you know, we, we put exactly what we needed for the second attempt. And then the third attempt would just be like icing, you know, like on the cake if we got it. And if not, then don't freak out. The second attempt is what we needed to give ourselves a, a decent chance to win. Mm. And then basically for deadlifts, you know, the opener is just the opener. I always open light. 
and you know because anything can happen on an opener if, if people aren't careful especially if they open too heavy so i always open light and i take big jumps and for me it's really good energy wise for conventional and, and it paid off this me because i got the third deadlift well at least i finished the third deadlift and locked mm-hmm. it out and held it but um of course you know it was called two to one um but the second attempt deadlift was kind of i guess intentionally sort of there to to put us in the win to let us do what we wanted for the third or to let us pull for the win on the third mm-hmm. um and then so second one we talked about this throughout the prep i was like i think 821 was the number um and and you know if rice had to pull like 830 or more i don't think it's going to happen um so that's that's kind of where we landed with that and it i mean like you know sure sure as hell on meet day it panned out exactly that way yeah it, it is it is good too. like um not only do you make ensure that you got a total and some people aren't so you know careful with their attempt selection like you said in terms of your openers but there is a bit of conservation of of strength and energy because you only got there's only so many times you could redline it and if yeah, you redline too that hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially like on um for me especially like conventional deadlift versus sumo sumo i can i can like you know do it a, like i can push a little bit more because um i like the taking slightly smaller jumps for sumo that way there's not super like major deviations like in my uh like technique i don't know that's just how i've been with sumo but conventional like I wouldn't want to open 804 and then go to like 826 and then go to like 840. That would be awful. <laughs> like I would much rather just open at like basically what my last warm up would be before a top single on a training session, like 738, you know, 722, something in that like along those lines, and then jump, you know. And I felt safe jumping up to a max of 826, but we went with 821. That was our plan, and then 815 on the low end, um, because I know that, you know, if I just turn it on, I'm not going to miss that unless something catastrophic happens, like I wouldn't miss that. So that's, that's pretty much what we did. Conventional is always really reliable. Um, I mean, it worked. Sometimes I find and Arian, obviously Arian, you're a national team coach. I've talked to people um, in at local meet levels. They're like, they, they get anxious, right? And they have these openers that are a little too heavy, like close to their third. And they're like, yeah, my third's a PR, my third's. They're talking about the third, like, like they're, like they're not almost, they're not going to get it. And like, so you're, you're relying on your opener going towards your total possibly. Like if I miss my second, my third, at least if I get my opener, my total will still be decent. And I'm like, you should not be planning on your opener going towards your total. Like Uh if that's the word, that's a really bad scenario. Like what is going on here? You're talking out of like worst case scenarios, put in your opener and kind of like you're saying it's energy management and plan on going to your third your second is high enough that you're okay, but if you miss your third and your second and your first, then what are we talking about here? Like, you know, yeah. it's like you're you're going too heavy. What like we're here all day. <laughs> there's no point. Yeah, exactly. There, for me, there's no point in doing that. I mean, hell, look at my squats. I opened at 717, man. I squatted 805. Yeah. I opened at 717. Now that seems dramatic, like a bit crazy, you know, like outside looking in. But for me, I have trained like that for months now. Like, you know, when I squat 717, I jump up. Like, if I'm doing um, seven, I think it was 750, like, or so in training was the cutoff. If I did 750 or less, I would usually jump up from 606 to that number. And then if I went above 750, I would go 606, 717, and then I would go to um, whatever it was. But usually if I did 800 plus, then I would go to like 760 or 771. 
but I mean, yeah, I mean, that's literally, I, I literally trained myself to be able to do that like comfortably too. So like in a meet, even when I just opened 717, my last warm up is 606. It's like 111 pounds less. Um, but I've literally gotten to a point where that jump for me, like I almost don't even feel the difference anymore between <laughs> like those two weights. Like, like you, you, so there's another thing. There are people who, when they're in the gym and they're leading into their top, you know, top single, here's another thing where they don't have necessarily confidence in making jumps. So they're taking ever so smaller jumps closer and closer to see. And it's like, smaller and you got, yeah. And when you're, when you got a meet coming up and it's when your first few meets, this is what you do when you're unsure and you're, you're fairly novice. You're, you're not sure where your top end is, but you tell the person, you know, in the meet, you can't do this. Your three squats on the platform can't be within five pounds of each other. You're not going to make it. No. You need yeah. to start training. No. Just like you said, you need to train your body to be able to, and psychologically, you got to be confident to make big jumps and know I can make a 30 pound jump. Um, energy wise, I'm good. And if I'm That's used it. to in and out, we're good. We're fine. Let's start getting these benchmarks in place and start recognizing this. And this is something that where people ask you about your training because you, you know, they call it the Ashton Invitational where you yeah. seem to be, <laughs> but it's like, who's laughing now? <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very for me it's been an extremely solid strategy and usually what happens now especially at a lot of these meets i've done lately is the second attempt that i put in is usually something i know that i'm just not gonna miss usually like for, for me 782 squat i was like that's gonna put that's gonna you know put me in a really good place for, to build a total but um and you know but i'm not gonna miss it either like mm. for sure i'm not gonna miss it for me, for bench, it was like 452 or something like that. And for deadlift, it was 821. It was like, the, I was like, these are numbers that are going to put me in a really good spot, you know, to be able to win, you know, based off of whatever I choose, you know, the thirds to be after that. Um, so those second attempts for me are really important. And they're usually, you know, definitely below whatever my, you know, gym max or PR is. A lot, oftentimes my thirds are even below my gym PR, gym max is. That's um, just how I do things. Mm -hmm. yeah and some people like total opposites where they they always hit the top end on the platform and it's just it, i think it's i think taylor was talking about that but i also think too um i'd read just briefly not in super in depth but as you're on your phone flipping through someone's talking about the cutoff in terms of volume 74s like what they reply to in terms of training numbers a lot of its volume whereas the bigger you get the heavier the numbers get right up to the you know, the most drastic end you got like Ray Williams doing coming in the gym, hit a thousand pound squat, do a little back end work, peace out. Whereas, and then everyone in between, right? So then that's when you try to copy certain styles. Like, um, so you'll talk to yourself, like, and you try to copy an Ashton and it's like, well, you know, Ashton's go doing his thing, but you're also not like a jacked up Ashton, like Ashton's, yeah. you know, or Ashton isn't Taylor you know, he's twice the size of Taylor. So he can't also do that kind of, so it, there's differences. Right. No, I absolutely agree. Like for me personally, you know, like um, when I was like significantly lighter, like when I was younger, I trained a lot more like how Taylor trains. Mm -hmm. um, but as you know, I got, you know, as I'm starting to get like bigger and heavier and stuff, like I definitely, I couldn't, like that's, that style wouldn't be sustainable for me. Um, it would just be a lot, like it would be a lot, it would just be really taxing. And then with my like lifestyle as well and everything else, there's just no way that that would, that that would, that I would respond well to that kind of, uh, that training style. 
25 were like significant like significantly lighter i think i think that's a really big factor that people sometimes like forget about when it comes to like structuring training like that i think would really matter and i would be able to train a lot more like that say if i were like 190 you know or mm-hmm. even like 185 um, but I'm not right now, so <laughs> so I won't even try to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tempting because you tell yourself like I could I could do more, but then there is a cutoff though, or where more is less. Literally, your strength goes down. It's like no, you need more top end heavy stuff intensity. Like you don't know until yeah. you get in there and start mucking around a little bit. And sometimes the bigger you get, these fellas, Ray Williams, I don't think is doing like an Ashton Ruska volume set, not because he doesn't have the heart to do it, but because like he would get weaker. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think it would, I don't think he would like improve. Yeah, I, I don't really see like a point in him doing something like that. And even for me, like, um, I don't know, squatting like below like a certain weight or threshold, like once I come back to top end strength, it can really, if I take too much time away from it, it can really kind of hurt my top end strength. So. I just have to be careful, like managing that, but I found like a pretty good balance for that now. And a lot of it is also like fatigue management and stuff, but um, yeah. yeah. It does, my training now looks different than it did three years ago. For sure. Um, let's talk about, so you had a couple of meets. Here's one thing that was different between yourself and like Bryce, for instance, and a lot of lifters. Um, in the interim, since 2019, I believe you had competed half a dozen times. Uh, and, and in the gym, you, you're you pretty heavy fairly often. And um, so we're about, do you, do you think like it's, it, sometimes you have different performance here. Like you had the 880 meet. And I remember when I seen that, I was like, oh shit, what does this mean? What's going on? And you, I yeah. wasn't sure. But so, so what happened there? Because you had made some adjustments. That was, I think that was the most previous meet before nationals, right? Uh, you did the one where. You did a 927 afterward. Oh no, sorry. No, this one, I'm pretty sure this one was the one before nationals because I only got my opener deadlift. You're right, sir. 875. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So basically what happened there was I was uh, training and using sumo for a while. And for me, um, I just haven't gotten to a point where my sumo is like particularly consistent. It can be really strong. Like my top end sumo strength, I truly believe is probably very close to, if not 900, like on a good day, I probably could do it like stiff bar, no straps, don't probably could do 900, like on my best day i mean i've done 870.8 before and that didn't even like really feel like a true max but the thing is like it's not super it's a hit or miss for me with sumo and it's not super reliable and for me it just hasn't been very predictable it's been very hard to sort of detect what works best for me for sumo so for now for the time being you know i decided after that meet to just stick with you know conventional um and the, the other thing too is i pull sumo hook whereas i pull conventional mixed and I usually don't drop deadlifts meets, um, but I've had two thumb tears now pulling hook. Mm. Uh, and, you know, for me, well, I've had more than two, but I've had one, I've had two in a meet now. So I'm like, I don't want to be at nationals and smoke like, you know, 860 or 880. And then my thumb tears and then I miss the lift and then I mm. lose, you know, and I played that doomsday scenario over in my head. And I'm like, is it worth <laughs> lifting more sumo with a higher, you know, higher risk, high reward? And I was like, no, it's not. So um like three four weeks out that's when i decided to go conventional so i didn't really get super good conventional training but i did just enough you know to where i I would be able to lift decently at at the meet and i mean it showed up decently um not my best but but good enough for for what was needed for the day um but yeah basically at that meet my thumb tore on the 810 attempt i think which should have been which was actually planning which was planned to be like a like a conservative like 
you know, they call it like RP7 attempt. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be very difficult for me, but you know, it, it tore, it tore and, you know, I, I missed it like so somewhere past halfway. So. I tell you, know. you what, that vulnerability made this much more interesting though, as a, as a fan watching where like, like if you came in 850 last year and then you're just like, you know, cruising through and it's all 850s and whatever, it's, it gets tougher and tougher, right? Like I still had you picked anyways, even though there was the last meet, but at the very least you need to think like, man, Brighton, and if Ashton doesn't hit, you know, Bryce has got this, like as a fan, yeah. you need to believe that. Otherwise it can turn into really quickly. Mike Tyson in the eighties were after a while, you couldn't sell his pay-per-views because everyone's like, wow, we already know, you know, so it's good. And that takes nothing away, nothing away from Bryce. Bryce is phenomenal. But, uh, you know, for a little while, there's like, holy smokes, Ashton, like we, Bryce has got to have a good day. Now to his credit, Bryce had a phenomenal day. And if he hit that last, yeah. deadline, um, you know, he would have, I think he was, uh, I mean, it, I think he still, come off the, I, I don't think did it did like, did he break the four with the last one? Uh, I can't remember. Arian, do you remember? How'd I'm trying go? to remember. I think he broke the ground and maybe came up a few inches, but it didn't get past his knees. Yeah. They loaded what they needed to. And it was, and Bryce said, it's more than that I've, I've ever, like you, you put him in territory where it was more than he's ever pulled, but he had to, yeah. he didn't have, it's, that's, a, exactly, that's a scary spot to be in. Yeah. Right. You put him in the worst possible scenario, which you're supposed to do. Um, so he's like, well, I guess I'm, I guess this is what we're loading. Give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Admirable. Lose. Um, it's it, look at, so now you're two-time U S champion looking at those two U S titles, which one do you think means more to you? Oh man, that's so hard. I know. That's so hard. They, they, <laughs> they mean more to me in different ways. Like the first one where I won on body weight, where I don't think anyone was really expecting me to win. Like that was like huge for me, you know? Um, I, I think it was just like a big shock factor for a lot of people there. And then for this one, it's like, you know, the shock factor wasn't necessarily the same as that meet, but, you know, after COVID and after like a couple of years and like my life was, you know, even more hectic now than it was then. And it was very hectic then. It's like, oh, this one meant a lot to me too. It's really, it's hard to say. And I also like, you know, um, of course, like beat a competitor that I directly lost to as well. So mm-hmm. for me, that meant a lot too, because for me, it's always, I'm always nipping on the heels of the people ahead of me. And then once I pass them up, you know, I look for, I look for new heels or, you know, I, they keep running alongside, you know, and um, mm-hmm. for me, that's always exciting. So this one meant a lot to me. Too. It's really hard to, uh, it's almost like apples and oranges. Yeah. That's the same apples and oranges. It's like comparing apples and oranges to me. It's, it's very funny hard for me to say. It's funny now that you say like at the time, no one's seen me coming, but I remember at the time you're right. Cause you were like 19, weren't you like a teenager or 20? Oh, a little bit older. I was Just 20. Um, you were young. I was 20 I'm, years old. Yeah. I, was I remember being like, where did this kid come from? He's absolutely jacked. Got the genes for powerlifting. You were born powerlifter. That's for sure. And uh, it was dramatic because you were um, the fellas that were there, like LS on the sidelines cheering for you. It was like the, it was like you saw the emergence of a star. So that's where it is special. I know you mean where like, it was like a, the coming out party where it's like, wow, no one's seen me coming. And I came on the biggest stage and everyone's like, you know, cheering and LS is on the sidelines and everyone's like, well, I remember LS doing the eating food thing after his last deadlift. Like I got this wrapped up and LS we're talking multiple time world champion Rick's like, these were, these are like icons of the sport and LS doing the eating food thing. And it was like, 
it was a huge moment. And then when you hit the platform, you're a 20 year old kid. You're barely out of your teens for God's sake. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a big deal. It was a big, like, what am I doing here? You know, like this is a, this LS is literally, you know, uh, yeah. an icon in the sport that you did what you did. And then everyone afterwards was like, who is that? We had to do some catching up, um, so to speak. So that's special. And, and it's totally it different than you're the favorite. And, um, but not, you're not just the favorite though. You're going against a rival. A rival, a sporting rival, obviously, again, Bryce is a nice guy, whatever, but I mean like a sporting yeah. rival who also was a world champion, multiple time US champion, had previously beaten you, and it's like the mm -hmm. comeback. It's the sports rivalry where you're, you now need to come back and win. That's special too in sports that people love. Um, yeah. And that wasn't there the first time. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know which yeah. one's better either. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to say. I will say though that that meet, Back in uh, 17, where I won at 20, that deadlift I did was actually, um, that was a dead, that was a deadlift PR, that third attempt for the win. Oh, yeah? Okay, well, there you yeah. go. You were <laughs> yeah, pulled out of crazy. your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, we jumped, I think, like 40 pounds or something for that. And I was like, well, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why LS was doing the eat food thing. Um, and I remember yeah. watching a live man like, LS has got this because you were, yes, you were 20 years old doing a 40 pound jump. It looked like a Hail Mary that probably wasn't going to happen. And, and yeah. for people, for people listening, Ashton wasn't Ashton yet. Like you were always Ashton your whole life. I get it. But you weren't powerlifting icon Ashton yet. Yeah. Not yet. We didn't know. Yeah. 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 It was something yeah, special. I don't, know really, I don't really know what to say. Yeah. It was a really good, it was a good time. It's one of my <laughs> favorite, uh, meat memories. Yeah. Were you there, Arian, at the time, 2017? Yeah, I was there. Were you okay? Were you in the back handling and whatnot? Um, I mean, I don't remember, but back then I was the sub junior and junior coach. So, uh, of course, I like try and talk to all the lifters after they win and stuff like that. So, I think I spoke to Ashton about it afterwards. Yeah, about I I remember. Yeah. Yeah, and did you know who Ashton was leading in that he was going to do something like that? I mean, I knew who, who he was. He had competed at national, at raw nationals before, and uh, equipped nationals before that. But I didn't know, you know, how strong he was or, or how capable he was of being able to, to win. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't it, know either. <laughs> <laughs> well, but a 40, 40 pound job, you're like, well, I guess I got it in me after all. Um, so looking ahead, obviously now you're the U.S. national champion. Um, the IPF has said that the world is no longer in Belarus; it's in Sweden, and it's uh end of september early october are you planning on representing the u.s and going to sweden mm, that is the million dollar question that is the million dollar question it's yeah this puts me in a very precarious position i really really wanted to do the showdown um because that for me that's like in and of itself like an extremely exciting meet with a lot of like just deep deep competition but um, a big part of me, like after when I, when I saw that you know they changed it, the, the location to Sweden, like well, one, I've always wanted to go to Sweden. I've like talked to this, we've talked about this with friends before in the past. So I'm like, gosh, oh, like hell, they're they're, they're putting it in Sweden, like they're rubbing it in my face now. <laughs> and I'm like, I really want to go to Sweden. Like I really really want to go to Sweden just to go to Sweden, and have an excuse to go there. But um, but also, you know, I do want to get like an open, you know, IPF title that like Raw, um, of course, eventually. Um, I think if you're like the top of a powerlifter and you do drug testing, you should, you know, go for it at least once. Um, so I think, yeah, 
Um, it's, it's hard to say right now, and I want to see how things pan out between the USAPL and the IPF as well. But, um, but no, I'm definitely like strongly sort of considering and maybe even realigning like my goals to competing in uh, Sweden. Um, and um, the other thing too, is that the competition is getting better on the IPF level for 105s versus what it used to be. You know, like if I was going there and I was going to win with like an 1800s like total, then I, I don't know. I, my answer would probably be different right now because for me, it wouldn't be the same. I mean, I'd still consider it because it's Sweden, but, um, but I don't know if I like, it wouldn't be like the meat experience wouldn't be the same for me, but, but now, you know, there are, you know, a couple of 105s um, in particular, unfortunately, Rondell, like, you know, won't be able to do this one, but I know there's um, one from Sweden. His name's Emil, I think. Is that how you pronounce Emil, it? Yeah. I'll, 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 Emil Norlin, who's phenomenal. Um, yeah, so their names, my man, but from Ukraine oh, is in Ukraine. A, yeah, yeah, Anatoly. Him. Yeah, he's a yeah. dog. He moved. So he's he's got the world championship pedigree where he's won worlds as a ninety three um, and was phenomenal as a ninety three world champion. Mo- just recently moved up to one hundred five, already mm-hmm. over nine hundred kilo, and uh, in his very first one hundred five appearance. And um, since then, and he's like just moved into one hundred five. Since then, he's repping. 320 kilo which is 705 pounds for sets of eight sets of eight mm-hmm. on squat on squat after yeah, his that. after his totals in the 900s and he in terms of the world level um like he's been there you know like he's he's done it and won it so he's he's not gun shy intimidated inconsistent like he's he'll be like a bryce lewis where you have yeah. to be on your a game which is it'll be very rise. similar yeah yeah which is yeah. Whew, it's good which it's, is good because it'll force me to, yeah to get stronger and that's really at the end of the day what i really want so, so yeah, yeah i would like most definitely be willing to do something like that a fight like that yeah for sure and emil norland um is swedish and it'll be in sweden and uh so Home advantage yeah, he he'll wake up, and it's like a we we're talking about the the gift of a local meat. Sure, judging and competition wise, this world is by no means a local meat. But in terms of not dealing with travel, not dealing with time zone change, not dealing with those things, and still mm-hmm. having your body compete, a meal will be like, oh hey, listen, last time I was at a world championships as a one hundred and five, I won in the junior. He's the junior world champion in Sweden last time we were there. Yeah, so he's like, fun, yeah. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be, the, I don't have to deal with half the things you guys have to deal with. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting. And I remember saying, well, I love the showdown, right? We had, we had uh, Luke Bright on the episode a couple of times and the guy's an amazing guy. He's the meat director of the showdown. But I've told yeah. you a long time ago, my man, I have a dream that Ashton hits the platform with USA across his chest at the IPF World Championships. And I'm calling it and I'm like, and hitting the platform at you know whatever your squad is and i see you with the platform with usa on the chest i'm like oh my god it's happening it, yeah, uh, that would be epic in terms of um looking back in career accomplishments i think you're 100 right that having that on your resume i world champion uh, taylor's talked about it, russ has talked about it when you talk to people saying you know i'm a four or five time national champion i broke these world records even but when people hear you're a world champion, you don't need to tell them any, they don't need to know anything about powerlifting. They're just like, you're the best in the world. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> there's something that goes with that. There, there's an effect. Yeah. There for sure. Um, and, you know, even, even in the years where like the totals were like dramatically less, you know, to win, it's like when that person was still considered like a world champion, it's just like, wow. Like, you know, a lot of people like are kind of, you know, 
yeah. revered by it or revere well, it to some extent. Here's the thing. We know not in your class, like your class was ended up showing out, showing up and showing out, but some classes where people were predicting massive totals, but they're predicting massive totals, <clears throat> excuse me, based off of like possible training numbers with some people hitting some local meets. And they're off of that thinking some, some podiums will be like crazy totals. And this has happened several times. And then the contenders show up and it doesn't happen like that. When people look at IPF worlds and, and like when it, this happened at us nationals and people like, wow, like travel time zone change really affected me. It, when people look at the world championships and they're like, well, you know, those totals don't seem that intimidating. I know this guy and I know that guy. It's like, there is a difference when you show up though, like yeah. travel across the world, experience jet lag, experience time zone change, experience what it's like when it's international refing and judging and like the whole, everything's different. And then in terms of like handling and whatnot, it comes full on chess chess pieces back and forth. I don't got to tell Arian, he knows he's been in enough of these battles where you need to know like your lot numbers, body weight, chips in play, do all your scouting. It's different. And um, yeah, I think there's, so sometimes when we look at these totals at the world championships, like, well, you got to show up and figure it out. Cause sometimes it doesn't unfold where it's just. It doesn't, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's going to be the same deal. You know, like if I, you know, go to Sweden, um, and there's a pretty good chance I will, if I go to Sweden, you know, um, it's about winning the meet. It's not about putting up a massive PR crazy total. Um, right. The total will probably still be really big, make no mistake, but um, the, the goal is to win, you know? Yeah. So, so there's definitely a lot of truth to what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that's kind of, that was one of my biggest, I was going to ask you about uh, the showdown competition there. Cause I, and, and, you know, I wasn't sure with how it would play out because a couple of factors that changed with in terms of going to the world's shifting from Belarus. Um, obviously probably one of the bigger drawing pieces was Rondell Hunt. And unfortunately, you know, it's the politics, it's something going on in his nation. I, I remember he was talking about it, but Rondell's a young man. You know, he's also an IPF world champion in the juniors. He actually, when he won the juniors, his total was big enough to win the open. That's the how, open. Yeah. yeah. So, but at some point I'm hopeful, it's not like, I'm hopeful that at some point he'll be able to go to the world championships again and you guys will clash. Um, yeah. in, ter in terms of career goals, like how do you see your career panning out? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, honestly, some of it's up in the air because it just depends on how my, uh, how my career progresses. Like there may be times or lapses where I may not necessarily be able to compete or compete often. Mm. Um, so it really just depends, but I mean, at least in the immediate future, in the next couple of years, I mean, I mean, one, I'd like to win, you know, an IPF championship. And I'd also like to do a meet like the showdown. Cause I've really been dying to do one, you know, since like uh, the Kern and really actually like, you know, be like a contender for it, you know? Um, and I feel like this year at the showdown, I could be that, but, um, but also like this opportunity in Sweden is presenting itself. So it's very difficult for me to choose, but um, I mean, when it's all said and done, I would definitely like to break, IPF, you know, 105 total record, the squat record, the deadlift one. Um, I don't know what the bench one is, but it'd probably be a while anyway. Um, but if I can get at least like two or three of those world records in my pocket and, you know, win, um, that would be really awesome from like the IPF standpoint. And, you know, if the Sheffield, it still seems like a hypothetical. I'm not sure when or if that'll happen, but if it does, you know, um, I'd like to definitely go and put my name in the hat for that. Taylor's very tough to beat. Um, but if anyone has a chance of doing it, at least by, by points or formula, I, 
I mean, I probably the closest. Um, so you know, I'd go for it. Um, but I also do want to do like a meet like the showdown as well in the next few years. Yeah. It's um, I got a few follow up questions for all those right there because we yeah. <laughs> So let me let me pace myself. Um, okay. So yeah, the path to Sheffield, and I'm pretty sure Sheffield's going to happen. Obviously, they, you know, they, they have to put a pin in it just to make sure. Even now, there's some COVID stuff, but it's starting to open up. So let's let's say things continue to open up in the proper direction. Um, obviously, the path to Sheffield is the World Championships, and um, mm-hmm. although not 100% official, the World Championships is looking more and more favorable, and um, Sweden's pretty nice in September. And um, it's a nice place. So oh, I've heard. So you go, let's say you go through these, these uh, chains of events, Sheffield, my God, <clears throat> in terms of a money meet, you get to knock off two goals in a row um, in terms of IPF world championships clashing at a bit. The, it'll be, if Sheffield happens, it's the biggest money meet we've ever seen in terms of cash prize. Their, yep. their stream in the mount that they were going to put into for the production next level ESPN level style stuff. Uh, Cause I was involved on the initial um, production and we're talking in studio interviews, press conference, a press conference with people who got the VIP packages. I was going to host taking questions and asking people up on, on the uh, you know, kiosk to answer questions like the athletes um, pregame analysis in terms of what world records are in play, what chips are in play and the whole nine. Like it was, we were going all out. And uh, so, yeah, if you could get to that money meet, my man, if you want a money meet, that's a money meet of all money meets. And you have a world title leading into it. So that'd be phenomenal. Um, but you did mention, my God, Taylor Atwood is the gentleman that you have to beat. Who, who do you think right now today is the greatest power lifter? Um, right now as it stands? Yeah. Taylor? And do, do you think that's IPF and untested, like all throughout powerlifting period, or just IPF? Um, that's hard for me to say. I think um, I definitely think there's a good argument that could be made for Hack. I think there's a decent argument that could also be made for Bell. But I think I would have to go with Taylor just because of what he has accomplished tested and how much further ahead he is, even given the untested aspect as well. Um, so to me, that just makes him like more, you know, like doubly impressive, like, um, like hack, you know, he was a very, you know, good, like he was a very solid, solid, you know, tested lifter as well. But of course, at that time, you know, wouldn't best like the best untested lifters. Um, whereas Taylor is in like a spot or position where he could do that as well as like win a weight class. Like that's, or he's very close at least like that me like to winning a weight class like above his, um, you know, and the 83s, you know, like, you know, you've got Russell and it's a very, you know, it's a very competitive class and second place in that weight class was, I mean, I was so glad I got to watch that competition. I was just mind blown, you know, watching um, <laughs> Delaney and, and Angelo. Um, I mean, it was just phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I would have to say right now, it's, for me, it's probably Taylor. I also looked at the totals. I, I know that a lot of people in the 120s in particular, like, I think I heard a lot about like some injuries and other things that were going on with people. So most of them really couldn't perform like to their best, but I know that this year, cause I know Ray didn't show up too. So like total wise. Yeah. I don't know. This year wasn't as, 
I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent now because now I'm starting to think about all the totals, like when I was like comparing Taylor to others in my head. But Taylor, from my understanding, would have gotten fourth in the super heavies and I would have gotten second. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, Taylor's that's insane. You know, he's one of a kind. <laughs> so were you uh, though. Here's the thing. I am glad you you uh you know you hesitated to 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 state yourself, but you are Taylor's by far, like you guys are neck and neck in terms of the best lifters in the world. Um, your goals are similar. Like you're right. Taylor, he's the best in the IPF, but he also his total beats everybody in the untested, which is insane. And you had stated one of your goals is to also establish yourself as the best tested or you will be tested and you'll still be in a tested pool. So whether or not you compete in the, in an untested meet, you are still subject to be tested. Um, right. which is important to you because it proves a point that you wanted to prove, not just your numbers, but in head to head competition and under those circumstances. And, um, there's something he said for that to be like, I'm best in the world, regardless. That's it's very difficult to pull off. Uh, that it was is. your goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and also Taylor's total compared to people above him, you're doing the same thing. You guys are very much running. It's weird. Cause you guys are like total opposites in terms of size and whatnot, but you guys are running parallel to each other. So if you were to meet Taylor head to head in a money meet, it would be the money meet of all money meets because that could be the one to establish the best power lifter in the world, regardless. Yeah. That's um, yeah. Yeah. It would that's be definitely, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good assessment. I mean, I would, I certainly wouldn't disagree with that. Um, especially by that point, you know, get, you know, given things, you know, for both of us, you know, relatively speaking, go well enough for us to like to progress, you know, and get better. And for that point, you know, we both put up our best. I mean, yeah, that's, I think uh, it would be a really big one. Having said that, um, you know, it, because you, you guys are running fairly parallel, but you decided at one point I'm moving up, even though you're, you're a good five kilo under the limit. And then on top of that, some people will cut, you know, three, four kilo to make the limit. So you're giving up a decent size but you want the challenge and you want to establish yourself as the best looking at Taylor. And a lot of people are looking at that number. And what his number as a 74 is in the 83s, let alone if he moved into the 83s and he's not going to feel 83 right off the bat. No, if you look yeah. at yourself, does he have to, and not only does he have to, you know, would you advise him? You know what, young man, it would be nothing quite like an accomplishment of going toe to toe with Russell, who is a phenomenal 83 and, and battling out. And if you could pull that off, you know, what would you say if you were Taylor's advisor, you're his manager? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, well, for sure, you know, for sure, what I might answer or what I would say, you know, would really matter, of course, you know, on Taylor's own personal goals and, you know, his ambitions and whatever else. But if we were just to set those things aside and I was sort of telling him more so than asking or collaborating, um, I would definitely put his name in that ring, at least for one year, you know, and, you know, if he wants to stay 74, he seems relatively comfortable in that weight class. Sure. But I do want to like, just to like make a statement, bring him up for a year to 83 and have him go, you know, head to head, basically do what I did. I just have him go head to head with, you know, whoever the best is in that class. And, you know, like I always say, the cards will land where they fall. But I mean, if you won that one, it would really mix things a lot. 
And he would have won, also have won multiple weight classes, you know, at the, the U.S. It's very difficult. It's very difficult yeah, to do that. Not easy to pull off. <laughs> yeah. Here's, um, and, and like Russell and him would be, that's pay-per-view style stuff, man. And then, um, you know, add in the mix yourself. Uh, like maybe again, if Sheffield goes through, Taylor doesn't have to leave for U.S. Nats or Worlds. It, Sheffield isn't a weight class isn't about weight classes. So he could go up to 83 for Sheffield only. He could battle toe to toe, head to head with Russell. And then on points versus you. Now we're just eating food here, my man. What are we talking about? This is insane. That, 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 that's, be a, a I'm not going to sleep the night before my man. Are you, yeah. this is insane. Um, that would be crazy. Now uh, there, there, there would be a twist though with the Sheffield on my end, there would be a good chance that I'd be willing to go down to like uh 205 or 210. <gasps> this would be you get closer yeah. and closer to the body. So, yeah. so the points it would look different. And I mean, truth be told, if I really wanted to, like twelve weeks out from nationals, if I just you know reversed some things, I could have made two hundred five. It wouldn't have been yeah, a little know, water cut in my the world. Little yeah. water cut. I mean, I nothing crazy. Know, I probably wouldn't total like nine forty, nine fifty, but I, I know I total over nine twenty. You know. Um, I would give myself that much at least. So it's like, I don't know, things will be really interesting, like in another couple of years of training and, you know, just really being at my best at like, for that meet, I, I wouldn't mind actually cutting down a little bit. Um, I don't know, it'd be interesting, I think. In, in five pounds of water is absolutely nothing. It wouldn't move your total whatsoever but you'd weigh in five pounds less. Now as a one Oh five, it doesn't behoove you to do that at all. You it, even yeah, know, no. you know, but as a Sheffield, why not five pounds? Why not five pounds? Not seven. Yeah. I, I would cut seven pounds of water and it wouldn't move my total at all. And I'm a smaller individual, seven pounds for you. It wouldn't move. You just do it. If you water. Oh no, yeah. I, I could. Yeah. I could definitely pull that off. I'm, I'm looking at that, that meat, that Virginia meat you did 2095 pound total at 217 pounds. It's like, imagine in a year or two, a 2100 pound total at like 210 pounds or 205 pounds what are we talking about yeah then, then it's like the points have just yeah it's just stretched like what are we talking about just, just from those little weight manipulations yeah so i mean it's definitely it's in the cards and, and you treat water cutting like a science where you practice it like i don't gotta tell you because you you hone your craft and do it often but you know you just when it's leading up to it you do it a bunch of times you get it down to a science okay now i know um how much water loading i need how many you know how far out many days out do i start water loading taking the water it starts becoming because you don't need to now but when you lead up to it if you're planning on doing it you know you just practice it over and over you're like okay guess what I don't lose a single kilo off my total, but I could drop a body weight like seven to eight to whatever many pounds. Oh my goodness, man. And then we get Taylor yeah. moving up against Russell head to head. Forget about it. I need Sheffield to happen. <laughs> yeah, it would shake things up for sure. It would definitely shake things up quite a bit. To say the least, Arian, if you got to bounce, don't feel no two ways. I know you got a client, a new person you're onboarding, unfortunately. Um, and I know you're about to work out too, my man. I just got a couple more questions. Uh, we can't yeah. hold you. You're literally in your car about to go smash some weights. Do what you do best. <laughs> um, I, I did want to say, I posted a meme about Taylor. Uh, it's that meme that has, uh, it's like death with the, uh, the Grim Reaper. And he just yeah. slaughtered one door and it says 74 kilo. 74. He's, knocking, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's knocking on the next door and said 83. And then I put in it and the death or the grim reaper was Taylor Atwood. Right. So it's implying he's moving to 83 to slaughter the 83s now. 
And I put in there a poll that said yes or no. Okay. And like thousands and thousands, like, you know, like thousands of people replied on this poll. But you know who else replied on that poll? Taylor Russell? At, Taylor, Taylor? Taylor Atwood. And I know what his plans are now. <laughs> so I'm not, I can't say nothing, but put it this way. We have a, a podcast schedule with Taylor Atwood. You know what? Fuck. I got to check if Russell did too. It's funny. You said Russell because maybe Russell's like, come on up young man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Russell could yeah. be like, I see the hype on you, but if you want it, I'm not laying down for you. You know, it's never going to be easy. Russell's a gamer. Um, everyone knows I'm huge. I'm high on both these guys. But um, we got Taylor Atwood scheduled for the weekend, and that's one question I'm going to have to ask him: is uh, what are we talking about here? Let's 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 play. Let's have a little bit of fun. Um, I also want to ask you. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go shortly. Arian, are you are you bouncing out right now, cancer? Yeah, I'm out. Peace, my friend. Good to see you. Right. Take care. Yeah. Thank you for jumping in. You yeah. might be you might be handling this guy in Sweden next time you well, see him. We'll see what happens in <laughs> Sweden. Hopefully, we'll know in a couple of weeks. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, um, for yourself, in terms of when you're setting your goals, what really helps motivate you? Is it so much like pushing weights and breaking records? Or is it now, are you getting to the point where now that you're a national champion, it's like, I want to hunt down titles in head-to-head comp- competition. Mm. What yeah. motivates you right now? Oh, no. it's def- So for me, it's definitely a mix of both of those things. I do want titles. Like I do want an IPF you know, title. I want a Sheffield title. And I want to take a shot at a showdown title too, or, you know, um, one of those like huge, you know, untested meets too. And, you know, it's really cool because they've off- actually offered for me to get tested at that meet, which I really yeah. appreciate. Um, and I would be more than happy to do so. Um, but also, you know, a part of me is always like, there are some things I do want to do. Like I do want to squat, you know, 900 plus. I do want to, you know, one day, you know, it doesn't have to be in a meet, but I do want to get, you know, a thousand pounds in my hand. You know, like, there are things smokes. that I still want to do. And it's like, um, you know, I'm potentially like years away from, you know, a lot of those goals, but for me, it keeps, it definitely keeps things exciting and keeps things in perspective. Um, Cause it's like, I've really come this far towards the goal and now I only have this much left and that much, you know, is actually a lot, but in my mind, I'm still like, it's this much, you know, and I'm a lot closer than I think I am. Um, so that also, you know, that pushes me to kind of keep, you know, keep up with all this lifting and still doing all this um, and competing so hard and breaking my back every now and then, uh, but it's worth it. Yeah. Do you find, like, how much longer do you plan on doing it? Um, like, if you start hammering down some of these goals that you have, like, for instance, like, the 900 uh, pounds, the 1,000 pounds in your hands, taking an IPF, you know, world championship. Um, if you start having some of these showdowns where you're like, oh, my God, I dropped down to weight, hit a mass of IPF points, and I'm go- you're going head-to-head in super, super battles and money meets, like Sheffield against, like, Atwoods and Orkies, and you do something like the showdown as well, you know, how long do you think you want to do this? Because it is tough on your body. Mm-hmm. It is for sure. Um, part of it depends on what I do in my career. Like I was saying earlier, there may be like time periods where maybe I'm complete competing less. Um, and another part of me knows that I love lifting heavy. And I love being strong, but you know, I'm not going to be, you know, near 900 plus pounds strong forever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> none of us are. Um, I think, you know, I, I would be comfortable saying that I'm going to compete throughout my 20s as much as I can. And in my 30s, it really just depends on a lot of factors like career and, you know, 
if I have a family by then and other things. But I mean, I would still like to get some meets in in my 30s. But after that, I probably definitely wouldn't be uh, doing powerlifting anymore. To give perspective, so you're not going to be David Ricks, basically. You, you don't you don't intend to do this to your <laughs> in your 60s. No, it's un, it's it's really unlikely. Things would have to to change dramatically in powerlifting for me to like stay around and do it for that long. But um, but as of as of now, no. My plan is to, to not compete past that like threshold. What kind of commitment does it take for Ashton to be Ashton when, like, how many days a week and how many hours in those training sessions does it take? Mm. Right now, I mean, I usually train like, uh, it also depends on how busy I am outside of the gym too. Like some training, some weeks I would only be able to train like, you know, two or three days a week and I have to combine a lot of stuff and I'd be in there for like, well, a very long time. <laughs> it's like think upwards, like north of like five hours. But, oh my um, God. but, but sometimes, you know, um, if, if things are a little more settled and I can train four days a week, you know, those sessions will usually look like, you know, anywhere between two to like three hours generally speaking um but i also love being in the gym and i love training and i do a lot of other stuff outside of just the big three you know movements so that's you know it's totally fine for me um and like gym's like kind of my happy place man so that's that's where i like being so i spend a lot of time there you know i know it's a positive vibe because it's literally people getting after it you're busy you get tired you get body tired um and like your friends are there there's like some camaraderie there. it's almost like you don't want to lose it even if you're not competing Right. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even, even after it's all said and done in powerlifting, I'll still be training. I'll still be pushing up weights. I'll still be, you know, hitting it hard. I, I don't picture you ever not being able to squat like at least 650 on a drop yeah. of a dime. Even if you're in your 30s, yeah. beer belly, three kids, you're going to squat 350. I think or I could still, I'd still be able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just something that's going to happen. Um, it, it, one one last question before we let you go, Chris mm-hmm. sir. Actually, you know what? Before we do the last question, is there anybody you want to thank uh, before we let you go and any shout outs or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Let's uh, definitely give a big, uh, you know, virtual round of applause to whoever's listening uh, to my coach, Marcellus Williams. Um, we have been working together for quite some time now, and um, we have really, we've been a great team. Uh, we collaborate. We figure things out. We problem solve. We troubleshoot. I had a lot of things go on during this nationals prep. I had an injury. I had four of my uh, wisdom teeth pulled out. Uh-huh. I uh, had like qualifying exams, like to advance, like the doctoral candidacy. I've had all kinds of things going on, but you know, we made it work no matter what. And um, he definitely stuck through all of it with me. And you know, on meet day and game day, something I wasn't used to, I put all my trust, you know, into him, and I let him make all the calls. And you know, we. The cards landed where they fall, where they fell, and there was um, and he uh, he handled me very well, and he coached at that meet like a pro. So. It's um, yeah, all that I, I didn't know you're doing all your exams and everything as well. That's these are things that people don't understand that you have a whole nother life besides what we see on Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? oh yeah. I just don't talk a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it. People have like things that they're striving for and distractions and, and uh, it takes a lot of time and energy. Um, and do you do coaching yourself yet? Uh, at the moment, honestly, the, the main reason why I don't, to answer your question, I don't, the main reason why I don't is because I don't feel like I'd be able to uh, give, you know, my clients or the people that I'm training a hundred percent, you know, of like, you know, my, my attention and effort, you know, because it would just be so split with everything else I have going on mm. that I just wouldn't really feel like their coach. So I don't want to, 
you know, I just, I don't want to build like a reputation in the lifting world where like, oh yeah, you know, he's a cool guy and he's strong and all, but you know, coach, mm, he's lacking. He's got a lot of other stuff going on, his attention split. And I, I'd rather just stay away from that reputation altogether. So if I, do, if I ever do any coaching, it'll be way down the road. Yeah. Maybe when, yeah, exactly. When the body's, when you're like, okay, now somebody else's time. Now, yeah. now, now I can pass yeah. on that knowledge. I'd be very open to considering doing it a lot more than it. Yeah. Yeah. And so one last question, sir, what would be your message to the rest of the one Oh fives in the world? Well, the first thing I would say is, um, health first always, this is what I tell everyone health first always, you know, the healthiest you that you bring to the platform is going to be the strongest and the best you always. And focus on that before you focus on, you know, beating anybody else. Show up and actually, you know, be in shape to actually be, you know, a contender and to actually compete. And the second thing is, is if you think you're strong enough, you're not. Because I'm still pushing. I'm going to get stronger. Everyone else around you is going to get stronger. If you stay in place, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get left behind. So if you think you're strong enough, you're not keep training and train harder constantly you know, and of course with, with the health consideration yeah yeah, yeah it is but true help it first yeah it is true if you're watching powerlifting it's never enough it's never stagnant it's always moving forward uh like if, if you're strong today with strong today in six months is is already too late you, yeah. you know you have to you be moving forward You'll, you'll lose meat sticking like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Listen, man, I appreciate you did this whole thing in your car. You're waiting to go train. And uh, we didn't give you much time after U.S. Nationals. So thank you very much. Um, good luck with everything. And I might possibly see you in Sweden, my friend. If we do, I'll see you there, buddy. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for having me on and, and having me uh, and asking me some interesting questions that, you know, I've gotten to reflect on a little bit, you know, since the meet, but uh, also gets me thinking more. So I appreciate it. You bet, buddy. Talk to you soon. Yep, take See care. You. Have a good one.